Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Douglas Wilson. This is episode 270 of the podcast. That's a lot of podcasts. Thank you for joining us here. Good to have you. So uh, today I want to talk a little bit. The topic is made. The title of this little segment might be intriguing to you. I'm calling it Deuteronomic America. Deuteronomic America. Now I'm currently working on uh, this. This segment is coming out of some thinking that I've been doing as I've been working on a book project uh, for Canon, uh, the, don't hold me to it. I don't, I don't know what title the book is going to have uh, when it comes out, but it's on the, the, the theme of the book is uh, Jewish Gentile relations and the gospel. And uh, that, that's basically what it's all about. And it, it, it involves theological issues. It involves political, cultural issues. It involves, um, Terror, you know how do how do we interact with terrorism and so on? So, an early uh, name for the book was "Boast Not Against the Branches," which is taken from uh, Romans eleven. The current working title of the book is uh, "American Milk and Honey." American Milk and Honey. And uh, let me just throw out a few things that I'm dealing with because a, a lot of the elements I've brought together in this book are things that I've learned in particular places. It's not like I'm, I was sitting alone in my room thinking great thoughts and came up with all this stuff. But what I, what I found was uh, the, uh, what, I, what I have here that might be unique is a bringing together of commonplace observations that many people share and bringing them all into one place and introducing them to one another. And these issues in, include uh, the issue of um, supersessionism, for example, uh, do you do the Reformed believe that the Church is Israel now? That's the, that's it. Did was Israel excised or put away or excommunicated or divorced or executed in the uh, in the destruction of the Temple at Jerusalem in seventy A.D.? The supersessionist says yes, they were put away. And then we have what you might call the hard supersessionists who say that Israel was put away and Jews today have no special status at all in any respect. They are simply like any other ethnic group. They, they, they've got no special footing or standing with God. That's the, that'd be the hard supersessionist. I would describe myself as a soft supersessionist, holding that there is a promise in Romans 11 that the Jews will be grafted back into the olive tree. So the supersessionist believes that the olive tree is the people of God, the true Israel of God. And ethnic Jews, or as Paul would say, Jews according to the flesh, have been cut out of the olive tree and they're not part of the olive tree anymore. But Paul promises that there will come a time when they are grafted back into the olive tree. And just as they're them being cut out was a great blessing for the Gentiles and brought salvation to the Gentiles. Uh, so will their ingrafting in again be 
life for the world. So a soft supersessionist believes that the Jews still have a promise given to them by God on account of his love for the patriarchs, and they are going to be grafted back in again, and then that's going to usher in the last days or the final golden age. That's going to, that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so that's one element, the whole supersessionist element. Now you can, and, and then I, uh, in this book, I tackle Zionism. Zionism was a movement uh, wanting the Jews to return to their ancestral homeland that began in the 19th century. The Jew, you know, at one point the British offered the Jews Uganda, or you know, you could settle there, and they no, they didn't want that. They wanted to be go back to Palestine, their ancestral homeland. So Zionism was the movement that wanted the Jews back in Palestine. All right, now. Uh, you have to make a distinction. Be, 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 there are Jewish Zionists, and there are Jews who are not Zionists. They were Christians who were Zionists. So many dispensational Christians uh, thought that the Jews had to be returned to their homeland in order to get the prophetic clock going again. So, for example, uh, Hal Lindsey, in his book, Late Great Planet Earth, argued for his, his peculiar timetable for the end of the world by counting from the establishment of Israel as a nation in 1948. So, Hal would be a Christian Zionist. He would see a prophetic necessity for Israel going back to the land. Uh, I would, as a soft supersessionist, I would not be a Zionist, but the Jews, there are millions of Jews there now, and that's kind of a fait accompli. That's kind of a done deal, right? So, Here's a here's a, a counterexample. I you might, someone might say, so why do you defend the existence of, existence of Israel, and why do you think the Palestinians ought to grant Israel's right to exist when you're not a Zionist? Oh well, because I'm there now. They're there now. I don't agree with the American doctrine of manifest destiny either. I don't think that that was a righteous or biblical doctrine, manifest destiny. But I still live in Idaho, and um, and there are millions of us here, and you, it's kind of hard to get the monkeys back in the cage. It's kind of hard to get the toothpaste back in the tube. It's kind of hard to unring the bell, right? So if I if I had a say about Zionism back when it was possible to do something about it, okay, I would have said no, not a good idea. I might have done I could have done the same thing with Manifest Destiny. But now that we're here, now that we've got the lay of the land where it is, then okay, what are we going to do? Next thing is, I've been greatly influenced, and I've, I've reviewed on the podcast here, I've been helpfully informed about a lot of things about America in uh, the books of Peter Zion. The, the, uh, the accidental superpower was one, the absent superpower was another, disunited nations was another, and his most recent book is The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Peter Zion shows and demonstrates that when it comes to geography, the United States is the land, well, it is American milk and honey. We have been so extraordinarily blessed. Basically, when it comes to geography and agriculture and harbors and rivers, America won the Powerball. It's just an astonishing amount of goodness has been given to us in the 
in the territory that we have. So what do we do with that? Uh, then you combine this with another book. Uh, I really have appreciated uh, George Gilder's work for a long time. And uh, he wrote one book called The Israel Test. And he points out that basically in the modern world, there are two nations that where inventiveness, innovation, the entrepreneurial spirit are running alongside each other. And he basically says, it's Israel and America. Israel and America. And this also, incidentally, accounts for much of the socialist hostility to both Israel and America. Socialists hate inventiveness. They hate freedom. They hate the fruit of it. And so consequently, they are trying to undo things that have made America great and that have made Israel great in many, many ways. And so I took, uh, took what Gilder argues in the Israel test, took what Zionist argued in his books, took what Paul argued in Romans 11, and combined them in a, a brief for uh, those who want to see the Great Commission fulfilled in the world. Uh, Paul's strategy is that Gentile nations, instead of doing what the anti-Semite does, the anti-Semite accuses the Jews for their success and envies them and goes after them and says, if they're, if they're as successful as all that, it's because they're cheating. So Paul's strategy for winning the Jews is precisely the opposite. We shouldn't be envying the Jews. Rather, we should be seeking to provoke the Jews to envy. And we provoke the Jews to envy by means of pursuing, I would argue, Deuteronomic blessings. We need to, we need to pursue those sorts of blessings the way God said to do it, and we need to learn how to do it. And if we do it, then it's going to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And there's a lot of things, there are a lot of questions that this raises, and a lot of yeah buts, and a lot of, you just have to wait for the book. Always will be God. So, continuing with podcast episode 270, in our pursuit of homartiological wisdom, we come now to the word epithumetes, epithumetes, which means lust after, lust after. This word is found one time in the New Testament in Paul's discussion of the Jews in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10.6 is where it's used. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So, Paul is saying basically the Jews in the wilderness do not supply us with a contrast to the New Testament church. Rather, he says it's a parallel. These things are our examples. We, are, we Christians ought not to behave the way the Jews in the wilderness behave. They're, they are examples for us. And we should not lust after evil things the same way they lusted. Now, lust is the attempt to gain from a finite thing what only the infinite can provide. And because this is obviously an impossibility, trying to squeeze infinity out of a finite thing is obviously an impossibility. And it's pursued by a finite and very muddled individual who lives his life bound in time. And so the lack, the, his lack of satisfaction causes him, like that song of the stones, to try and to try and to try, but still he can't get no satisfaction. All right, he's trying to get from a finite thing what only the infinite can provide. And then the law of diminishing return sets in, but the lust itself does not diminish. And that's how the void opens up at one's feet. 
there there's hell right there where the the thing that satisfies is van is vanishing away goes to a vanishing point and the desire has you by the throat the the desire gets worse and worse and the ability to satisfy that desire gets less and less and there you are god don't never change he's god so in episode 270 of the podcast i'll finish with uh uh, this book review. Uh, this book is The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bavink. A friend recommended this book to me. So it, what, it does, what it is, is a book that Bavink wrote that took away all the scholarly apparatus of his, systematics, uh, of his systematic theology and put it in one thick volume, one, one big volume, and what you have is sort of a distilled, meaty, rich theology without uh, tripping over footnotes all the time or the citation of obscure people you don't know and you want to look up and so on. Uh, so this book is um, it's actually quite a, uh, a good book for devotions. What, uh, it, and Nancy and I have used it in our morning devotional time. So in our in our morning uh, devotional time, I read two pages out of The Wonderful Works of God by Bob Inc. We're currently, well, we uh, have regularly used a book um, put together by Jonathan Gibson called uh, Be Thou My Vision, which is sort of a liturgy of the morning, which we've gone through a number of times, but we took a break from that. We've got three books that we go through. Wonderful Works of, currently it's Wonderful Works of God by Bob Inc. And then we were reading Be Thou My Vision. But because we'd gone through that repeatedly, I substituted in a daily devotional of um, collections of thoughts from Richard Sibbs, the Puritan writer. And I have forgotten the name of that book. It's Sibbs, and it's just a recent book. So we're, we uh, read that in the morning, and then we read a page of the New Testament. So, and then we have our prayer time. So uh, the wonderful works of God then Sibs, and then the New Testament, and then prayer. Now, just reading two pages of, now this book has got five, I don't know, five, six hundred pages. It's a, it's a hefty book. And the reasoning is dense, and, the, and he is clearly steeped in Scripture. He, uh, what Spurgeon said of Bunyan, if you pricked him anywhere, his blood would run bibline. Well, that's, that's true of Bob Inc. here. Uh, it's just really rich, really helpful, really good stuff. And basically, you get all the benefit of having read through a systematic theology without it turning academic. So uh, it's been very, very good uh, devotional uh, material, uh, very good to work through. Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bovink. Mm-hmm.